Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today, I want to speak to you on the final installment in this series, All In. It's been a series on spiritual disciplines and, and spiritual progress and growth. And we've been reading out of this, this, this verse in Luke chapter 9, where Jesus is speaking, and, and he says this. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We've been looking at this as a as kind of a formula, as, as steps to what it looks like to become a Jesus follower. And, and, and Jesus lays it out for us right there. He says, if, if I'm the goal, first you have to engage in self-denial, and then you have to move into taking up your cross, your burden, your sacrifice. And by the way, this has to become a lifestyle, not just a once uh, occurrence. And, and then Jesus says, and then I'm looking for a, a continuance in your following. I'm looking for you to begin to follow me in the everyday. But then he goes on and, and he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? In verse 26, he says, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the son of man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and of the holy angels. I want to read one more verse out of the book of John 21. When Peter saw him, him being John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? But Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. And finishing up this series on following Jesus, you know, we, we started talking about spiritual disciplines. And the fact that spiritual disciplines, they position you to pursue God. When you're going to go all in, that there are some actions, there are some choices, some things you have to make. And, 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 um, and those things begin to put you in the right perspective, in the right place to begin to pursue God. And, and that was week one. And, and week two, we moved on and talked about what it means to deny yourself. And how self-denial is the starting step on the journey to Jesus. Last week, we talked about sacrifice and how... How when you take up your cross, when you embrace your sacrifice, that it produces things in you that cannot be created by the superficial. That when you begin to embrace the sacrifice of following Jesus, that he begins to do mighty works in you. He does deep things, even in deep pain, and in choppy waters, and in the storms. That's where God speaks the loudest, and he does the deepest, and you find something rising up out of you that you never thought was even in you. But, but it's only in those moments of great sacrifice that God begins to get rid of the superficial and begin to do a deep work in you. And, and now we're coming to this, this portion of Scripture where Jesus is, is bringing the final call and he says, once you've denied yourself, once you've embraced your sacrifice, now follow me. Jesus said this phrase over 20 times in the New Testament. It was a continual calling of Jesus to people. Follow me. And God's call to us is to follow him away from the familiar and into radical faith. That's my subject for you today. A call to follow him away from the familiar and into a radical faith. I'm going to tell somebody he's calling you. 
like four of you said, oh, he's calling you. <laughs> Maybe like, you look at him and I don't know. I don't know if he's calling you. <laughs> we see Jesus calling his disciples in a certain moment by the, the Sea of Galilee. And, and he, he arrives on the scene to find Peter, Simon, at this moment, but he's going to become Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they're, they're out in their boat and they're fishing because that's, that's what they do. They're fishermen. And, and they, they grew up in a fishing village right by the Sea of Galilee. And, and obviously that, they were, um, that was what their training was. They, they would have gone to school as, as young men, but, but uh, because they weren't chosen as rabbis to become their followers, they went into the trade that most likely that their fathers and, and his father and his father before him did. And they lived very, very modest lives and, and this little tiny corner of this little country in the Roman Empire, and, and one day they were doing what they do. They were fishing, and Jesus shows up, and he, he, he drops the, the greatest phrase in, in human history. He, he, he calls them to follow him, and he says, come with me, and I will make you fishers of men. You know what I, I think is interesting about this story is that, is that these guys, they aren't doing anything holy at this moment. They're just fishing, which maybe some of you think it is holy. But they're just doing their job. You know, you got to see it in their circumstances. This is just who they are. And they're just doing what they do. This is a, a normal Monday afternoon for them. They're, they're, they're just doing the thing that they've kind of always done. They've always known. They're in the same place they ever grew up. They probably never traveled outside of their little region, and, and, and they didn't have a lot of money. They were just, they were just living you know, they were, just, they were just being, you know, and, and, and into that, Jesus finds them. And what I think is so powerful about this is the truth that Jesus is the one that finds you. And Jesus is the one that comes after you. And you know what's interesting? He comes after you in the mundane moments of your life. He, he, he comes after you because he loves you, not because you've done anything powerful. They're, on, they're not in the midst of a 40-day fast. They're, 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 not, they're not having a little uh, seaside worship set going on. And sometimes we, we think that way. We think we're going to receive God's call only when I get in the right church and I'm in the right seat and then there's the right preaching and then I'm feeling the right vibe. And you say, what's a vibe? How do you get a vibe? I don't know, but I'll know it when I feel it. And only when there's gold dust sprinkling down on my Bible and only when all of a sudden I hear a voice and it speaks Latin and the, and the, the, the roof peels open and a beam of sunlight comes down and it highlights me and a dove, a dove comes down and alights upon my shoulder and then I will say father I am here speak Lord your servant is listening and God says my child that's what we think callings are you know like we're gonna have this radical moment but that's not what these guys are doing they're just at work you know they're just hanging out they're just living and Jesus comes to him, not because they had anything to give him, but he had something to bring them. Not because they were worthy, but because he's worthy and he's going to make them worthy. Like Jesus comes after you because he loves you. He calls you because he calls you. He chooses whom he chooses. And I just want you to know, it might not be in the giant, but it's really in the everyday. It's in the average. It's in the usual but make no mistake, that doesn't lessen the fact that it is the God of the universe that's calling you 
to live every day for him, to follow him, to live like him. And you know what Jesus says? And he says, I see that you're fishing. He says, I, I can use that. I I'm going to make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, which is so beautiful because God will speak to you right where you're at. I just want you to know God's not overly complicated. God's not going to speak to you in a way you can't possibly understand. You know, I've heard so many people say, I, you know, I, I don't go to church. I don't get all that stuff. I read the Bible once. I didn't understand it. But try it again. Because let me tell you, the Bible is so simple. It's right to the point. Here's, here's what the Bible says. God loves you. God's for you. He died for you. He's going to fulfill you. The end. That's the Bible. Read it. Go to Psalms. Go to Proverbs. Go anywhere in the Bible and you'll begin to understand the Holy Spirit will speak to you. And, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you in ways you will understand. He, he, he's, not, he's not searching for the extreme set apart. He's searching for the everyday. And, and he just chooses you. And you think, well, I come after God. But God comes after you. Come on, God comes after you. And he wants to use what you know. He'll use what you know. He'll use who you are. He'll use what you bring. He'll use what you give in order to further his glory through you. He says, you guys know how to fish? I can use that. Moses, you got a stick? This kid's got lunch? Great. Let's have a revival. <laughs> and that's how God works. So I want you to know he does choose you and he will use you. And it might even be in an unexpected way. It might be with an idea. It might be in the middle of your business. It might be with an, uh, with, with an entrepreneurial idea or innovation. It might be with a, a child that he gives you or in your family. It might be with a testimony or a story. It might be through something that you, looked, that, that you thought would, was horrific, but God turns around and he gives you this valuable, incredible story. He might give you the ability to write, write poetry, write stories, write fiction, write books. He might give you the ability to speak, but he might just give you a cubicle next to someone that needs help. But make no mistake, he'll use you. And the reaction is incredible. When, when Jesus calls them, they drop their nets and they, they follow him. They immediately, they immediately drop what they're doing. And this is significant because these nets represent something. This is their, this is their lifestyle. They're, they're fishermen. When, when, they're gonna, when, they're gonna call, when God calls them, they have to drop some things before they follow God. And I wonder, what is it that God has for you to drop in order to follow him? I wonder what, what it is that you'd have to drop in order to follow God. Peter, he had to drop a lot. He, he, he had to drop his identity. He says, I'm a fisherman, but now I'm called to something else. God's, in fact, going to transform my identity, but I have to leave the old where it is. I mean, think about it. They're dropping their community. They live in a village of fishermen, and they have to drop their community in order to join a new community, a new brotherhood. They have to drop their livelihood. This is their financial stability. This is the way they earn money. And you know that Peter was married. I could see him coming home and say, honey, you won't believe what happened. She said, you did what? He better be God. He's leaving his job. He's leaving his financial stability. He, he even leaves his family for long periods of times as he's following and traveling with Jesus all around the region. They, they leave their security. I wonder what it is that God might call you to drop in order to reach for him. Because make no mistake, God will always cause you to leave the familiar 
the comfortable, the stable, the easy, the mediocre, and the natural in order to engage the supernatural. God is calling you to something, but it's faith, not familiarity. And, and, and you're not going to be able to run after the way, the truth, and the life as you're holding on to your old life and dragging it with you. I'm coming, Jesus. I just got to bring this bitterness. I, I, hold on. Hold on. I got, all this, I got all this junk. It smells like fish. It's got all fish guts in it. I got some unforgiveness. I, I want to follow you, but I'm so angry at these people. So I'm coming, but I got I to, gotta, I'm coming, Jesus, but I got to tell you, I just got all this baggage, and I'm filled with fear about my finances. And I, I, I don't know what you're going to provide. I don't know if you still do manna, but I'm bringing... And sometimes God says, leave that junk. Drop it. And maybe it's not even sin or shortcoming or past. Maybe it's good things, but good things that are keeping you from the greatest thing, which is the almighty king. And God's saying, leave that where it should lay. Because see, the first step in following Jesus is denying yourself. Can I add to that? Your stuff. Denying your stuff. And choosing to come after Jesus. You might have to walk away from everything you know because the call to follow Jesus is the call to adventure. I mean, think about when God called Abraham. He says, get up and go to a land where I'll show you. And Abraham says, any more details? I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to gather everything you got and we'll figure out where we're going along the way. That's God's plan. He invites you into a call to adventure. It's not safe. It may be a little scary, but I'm telling you, when you begin to follow him in faith, you enter into a life you could never dream of. Someone wrote me once, a fellow millennial, saying that they didn't like a subject that I brought up in a sermon. And that church is supposed to be a safe space for everyone. And I thought, who gave you that impression? Where did you get that idea? There's nothing safe about the word of God. It confronts you. It challenges you. It's sharp. And it divides the truth from the lie. God's call, it's real. But it's a call to adventure, not safety. God's call, his word, it lays out your shortcomings. It reveals your areas of failure. And more than that, it calls them for what they actually are, which is sin. A safe space to never have to confront your true self, to never have to discuss difficult subjects. No, there's nothing comfortable about the crucifixion. There's nothing safe about bloody men redeemed by the blood of Christ. Look, if you're... If you're if you're looking for easy ideology, go to Twitter. But if you're looking for truth, come to the cross. Church, I, I feel, I must, I must warn you, there is nothing safe about following Jesus. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul died a martyr's death. Polycarp was burned alive at the stake. 
There was no safe spaces for the early Christians who were thrown in the Colosseum Colosseum to be eaten by lions, all for the pleasure of the crowd. There was no safe space for Martin Luther when he was taking on the corruption of the Roman church. There were no promised outcomes for the Puritans when they left the land that they know to come to a new world so that they could simply worship freely every single Sunday. There was no safe space for the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. as he prophesied to the nation of the sin of inequality that it had within its bones. There are no safe spaces promised on the journey of following Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit will walk with you on this journey. The Holy Spirit will be faithful to convict you. He'll be faithful to forgive you, to change you, to resurrect you. But be careful because he might also call you. Call you to lay down your life. Call you to become a missionary to Asia. He might call you to admit that you're wrong. That's a tough one. He might call you to change your mind. Maybe even change actions in your life. He will call you if you'll let him, but it won't be safe. As C.S. Lewis was writing the Narnia books, he, he had Lucy ask, is he a safe lion? See, a tame lion, speaking of Aslan, and C.S. Lewis wrote, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I'll tell you. He's good. The adventure of following Jesus It's not going to be easy. It's not for the faint of heart. In fact, Jesus says you need to count the cost because there will be a cost, maybe even a great cost. But can I tell you, it is so worth it. It is so worth following Jesus. He loves you immeasurably. He's for you in a way you can't imagine. He's He's going to have his hand of guidance on your life. Jesus is worth the abandoning of your safe space. And he's worth the adventure. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew. He says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. But whoever finds their life, they'll lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. See, modern religion wants wants to say to you, wants, wants you to ask the question, what have I to gain by following Jesus? What will I gain? How will I be blessed What will it do for me? But Jesus says, what are you willing to give up to follow me? Look look at what Jesus says here. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. I can promise you, church, whatever you have to give up, he's worth it. Whatever you have to give up is pales in comparison to his promises and what you'll receive. And, and I, I, would just, I would just challenge you, church, don't just be called by God, but follow him. Because here's the sad truth. There's a lot of people who were called that never followed. In fact, sometimes it seems the most called people never follow. If you look in, in the Bible, there were many people that Jesus himself personally called. Because see, you might think, well, Jesus called me physically, but that's not true. They, they called him 
They, Jesus called people physically in the flesh and they still went and did their own thing. Think of the rich young ruler where Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you absolutely can follow me. You can be my disciple, but you need to sell everything, give it to the poor, then come follow me. And the rich young ruler, the Bible says he went away in sadness because he had too much stuff. Think of the, the young man that, that comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you, but first let me go bury Go, let me go bury my, my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own, de- their own dead. But right now is your opportunity. Come follow me. Yeah. And he couldn't because he, 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 had, he had too much attachment to family. Or the young man that says, I, I want to follow you, but let me go throw a goodbye party and say goodbye to everybody. But Jesus says, the hour is right now. You come and follow me. All these three people were called by Jesus and yet walked away because their attachment to the past, to the less and to the familiar was greater than the desire to pursue the king. Yeah. Make no mistake, you and I, many times, we can let go of the great for the good. Don't make the mistake of holding on to the temporary over the eternal. Loving the earth more than heaven. I I think about people that that enjoy the the creation and the creativity of the world, but, but, but don't love the world and miss its creator. You know, those that, that love to take in you know, the, the, the beautiful sounds of nature, the, the, the crashing of the waves, the calm wind, the chirping of the birds. Don't take in that wonderful music, but never look at the one who directs the orchestra. Don't miss the fact that this sunset in all its beauty is nothing compared to the artist who paints it. Don't miss the great for the good. Don't be obsessed with the here today and gone tomorrow, the, the temporary and, and the little. Reach through that and touch the one that's actually worthy of your thoughts, who's actually worthy of your life. Who's actually worthy of your everything. He's worthy of your following. And I wanna encourage you today that following Jesus is a process. It's an unfolding. It's, it's, it's more like a journey. It's, it's, it's little by little. It's step by step. Because I think sometimes we can, we can maybe become discouraged because we're not getting as, as far as we thought we would get. And this, there's no one great moment. But, but I just want to encourage you, following Jesus, it's a process. But I pray that it's a process of progression for you. You're not the same person you were last year. You're not where you want to be, but you are not the same person you were last year. Make no mistake, God is working on you. He's faithful to you. He's got more to you for in you. And, and you know what I love about the concept of following is that there's a lot of stuff baked in there. A lot of stuff baked into that, that concept. Like, for, for instance, in that word, follow me, means that, that he's, he's the guide. He's the one in charge. In other words, he's the leader and I'm not. That's baked in. He's saying, follow me. In other words, I'll bring guidance in your life. I'll show you where you need to go. Many people need incredible guidance. And they go, they go to shamans and books and, 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 and waterfalls. And, and you're just seeking. But Jesus says, I'll be the guide. I made this path. I know where it leads. I'll bring you out of the familiar. But I'll bring you into a land of faith. But follow me because I'll walk with you every single step of the way. I mean, just baked in to this concept is communication. More than that, I'm not only going to guide you, I'm going to let you know where we're going. I'm going to keep checking in with you. 
And, and, and hear me, baked into this concept of following is when there comes a fork in the road, will you submit to his leadership or will you go your own way and do your own thing? It's one thing I know about God. He loves to cross your will. And he's not afraid of you. Unlike everybody else, he is not afraid of your fit. You throw a giant fit, angry, react. God's like, I deal with babies all the time. I'm used to this. You're just a giant one. He's not afraid to push your buttons. He's not walking on eggshells with you. That's not God. Oh, don't bring up that subject. God's like, which one? Tell me, which one? Oh, man, I'll throw it right in their face. Which one? You still have a problem with that? Ah, oh, I got a good idea. Because <laughs> God, God will never allow you to be comfortable. He calls you into the pursuit of Christ. He's going to have you grow. And so when you get to that fork in the road, he says, now, can you submit? You know what submission is? It's that your mission now becomes, becomes underneath. It gets placed underneath his mission. That's submission. I want to go this way, but it's not my mission anymore. It's his great commission. So now I begin to say, Lord, your way, even when I don't understand it, I'm following you. You be the guide. And can I promise you this? He's a good guy. He made this path. He knows this way. You might have no idea what you're doing and how it's happening and where you're going, but stay faithful to God because he is leading you into the right place at the right time. He's got your back because he's a good God. He's a good God. He's going to continually progress you in your life, in your mind, in your emotions, but you got to follow him. I, I, have you ever followed someone in a car that, uh, that didn't drive like someone was following them? You know, and you're behind this person, and they're, they're speeding up at yellow lights. They're taking left right before it turns red. They, 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 they think they're a race car driver on the highway, and you're losing them. You know, you ever follow a wrong car thinking it was their car, and you find out it wasn't their car? And then they call you, where are you? What do you mean, where am I? Where are you, you know? That's not God. God is a good driver. God's a good driver. And when you begin to follow him, God makes it really clear where he's going. God uses his blinker. Unlike some of you. God's not pulling sharp turns. He, he puts his blinker on and says, we're going this way. And then he lets you decide, am I okay with this? Yep. Let me tell you, he'll, 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 he, will, he will do it bright and early. We're going this way. And he lets you know from different people. They'll text you, hey, I'm just feeling this. You get a verse. I'm preaching on Sunday. And the whole time the Holy Spirit's going tick, 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 And if you keep saying, no way, I'm going my way, God, then he starts using the horn. I said this way. He rolls down the window. Why do we do this? No one knows what this means anymore. What is this, 1984? He rolls down the window. We're going left. He will be faithful to let you decide, am I going to continue to follow God? He's going to be clear. And if you begin to listen, he'll speak to you. He'll speak to you through everyday moments, Sam, leading you this way. You might think, I don't want to go that way. <laughs> that, that way, that, that looks painful. It looks difficult. Yep. It looks like we might go off-roading, but God says, it's all right. I'll give you a Jeep. Come on. <laughs> it's going to get bumpy, but I'll be with you in this. He's with you all the way through. He loves you. He's for you. 
And following is it's a continual thing. And so you might be saying, well, how do I, how do I keep following fresh? You know, how, how do I maintain my following of Jesus Christ? You know, the answer really is spiritual disciplines. It really is. It's, it's the physical actions that, that keeps you in relationship and connection with God. You know, and, and I, I just want to encourage you, for the last 21 days, many of you have been learning about and even practicing spiritual disciplines. You know, even in the, in, in, through this whole series, we've been doing things different nights like praying, reading the word of God, spiritual disciplines like silence and meditation, contemplation of God, spiritual disciplines like thanking God and, and, and ha- saying our gratitudes to him, or, or fellowship, which is a spiritual discipline, the gathering of the saints, fasting, giving. I mean, you guys all did this in these past 21 days, but can I encourage you? Don't let it just be a thing that the corporate church does. Come on, you is the church. Spiritual dis- disciplines isn't just for us, it's for you. And I would encourage you, carry these disciplines forward into this next year. Begin to read the word of God. Let it get systemic in your life, habitual in your life. Put it in your schedule. Begin to have moments where you consciously have gratitude for God for what he's done, not always asking God for what you don't have and what he's not doing. But thank God for who he is and what he's done. Have moments of meditation, you know. Many, many, many uh, of the nights through the prayer uh, time, we, we did different ways to pray. Once you've seen it, now you know it. Now you know it. Do it in your own time. Do it in your own time. Why? Because that's where you're going to reconnect with the guide and say, which way are we going, God? Because I don't want to go back to what I once was and what I knew and what's easy. I don't want to stay in the faulty and the familiar. Come on, I want to live a life of faith in Jesus Christ. We see Peter called by God. But if you know Peter's story, after a time, actually in the most crucial time, Peter fails in his following. It's the night of the crucifixion and, and he denies Jesus three times. And worse, worse than denying Jesus, he, he actually runs and hides. So, so, so he's so overcome with shame and condemnation from, from his failure that he runs and he hides himself in shame because that's what the enemy wants to do. He not only wants you to fail, he wants to get you in isolation. And, and then the next thing we see is we see him fishing. He's back fishing. And it's like, Peter, didn't you walk away from this? Didn't you drop this? I just read it. Didn't you drop these nets? And yet here he is. He's fishing again. And you know, that's the reality is we'll follow God. But many times it's after we fail that we go back to the familiar. And the problem with failure is that it has the tendency to escalate in our lives. It has the tendency to grow in our lives. And one failure brings condemnation. We feel we buy into that. We put our faith in the failure instead of Christ. And, and, and it begins to grow in our life. And, and when that happens, faith begins to dissipate because, because our faith begins to be put in, in our failure or in our lack or in our screw-up instead of his grace, his salvation, and his mercy. And what happens is sometimes when we screw up, when we fail, when we fall short, when we sin, when we miss the mark, when we do something that we know is not who we truly are, what happens is we slide back to our old life. And if you've been around the church world, you've heard the phrase backslidden. But what that essentially means is is you've just, you've gone back fishing. And maybe there was nothing wrong with fishing, but it's not who you are anymore. You were called out of that. People will even say it to you. Are you hanging out with them again? 
oh, you haven't hung out with them in a long time. Where are you going? And what are you doing? And where have you been? And what's going on? And you know, the interesting thing is when, when you begin to slide away from God, you can't hide it. Because, because the Holy Spirit is so filled with life. And when you begin to grow distant from the Holy Spirit, you no longer have the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life. And it shows on your face. It shows on your face. And anyone who knows you knows something's wrong on the inside. I can even see it when I'm preaching. Because the Holy Spirit's so evident when I'm preaching, I'm able to see things, you know. You see some people that they're hungry for God. And they're leaning in. And they're ready. And I only preach to them. No. They help me though. But you see sometimes other people and they're in church and they're smiling, but they're sliding. Sliding. And it's very difficult in a place that's so filled with unity to hide a spirit of disagreement. It's difficult to to hide a spirit of anti-Christ in a place that worships Christ. And many times, it's not because this person's a bad person. Peter's not a bad person, but he backslid because he, he failed and he received that as his identity instead of, instead of God's calling. He said, I might as well go back to what I know. Might as well go back to what I'm good at. Might as well go back to my old friends and things we used to do. And because I failed God, he'll never accept me. I was supposed to build this church, but... How could I possibly build this church when I'm a sinner as if God didn't know Peter was a sinner when he called him? Failure reveals our tendency to revert to the familiar when our faith falters, you know? And the problem is faith and the familiar, they're always at odds. And and this is where we find Peter. And I don't know if you've ever been in that place. You say, I want to forgive this person, but I'm afraid to get hurt again. So I'm just going to stay in the familiar you know, I, I, I want to speak out about my beliefs, but I'm afraid I'll be ostracized or, or made fun of, so I, I'm just going to keep to myself. I, I want to stretch out. I want to be a blessing to others, but, but I, I just don't want to ever struggle ever again with money, so instead I'm going to make it my God, and I'm going to go back to who I once was. I don't know if you've ever found your play, yourself slipping back in your spirit to the old familiar ways, but that's where Peter was. The problem is faith and familiar are headed in two totally opposite directions. But the good news is Jesus always comes into the middle of those places. Always. Peter's out, he's fishing, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and he's on the shore. They can't really tell if it's him, but he, he, the man cries out, have you caught anything? Peter says, no. You know why? Because that old life is fruitless. Can't go back there anymore. There's no blessing. There's no covering. God's taking you to new places. You can never pretend you haven't been where you've been. You can't pretend you didn't hear what you heard. You can't pretend you didn't see what you see. You can't pretend you didn't experience what you experienced. It's true. And the Holy Spirit will never let it go. He'll always be tugging back on your heart. He says, have you caught anything? And Peter says, no. And he says, cast your net on the other side. Because the Spirit can make unfruitful things fruitful. And they cast on the other side, and what happens? All of a sudden, there's such an amount of fish, they can't barely get it in the boat. And Peter says, I know who this is. I know who this is. I've seen this before. And see, Peter was so excited to see Jesus, the one he betrayed. He was so desiring of Jesus, because you know why? That's what was actually in Peter. It wasn't the denial. That's not the real him. 
The real him is he loves Jesus. Yeah, maybe that's his old nature. That's his flesh. That's his screw up. But that's not the real him. The real him is the one that says, I know who you are, God. You are the son of the living God. The real him is the one that wanted to protect Jesus. The real him is the one that loves Jesus. The real him is the one that recognizes Jesus. I know who that is. That's who I love. That's who I'm for. That's who called me. That's who changed me. That's who healed me. I know who that is. And Jesus doesn't hide himself from you when you're failing. That's when he shows up. Man, and he shows up in so many different ways. He's going to make it difficult for you to ignore. But I'll tell you, that moment, that's your moment where you can respond. I know who that is. And what did Peter do? He left the fish where they were because he didn't actually want that life. If he actually wanted that life, he would have said, this is the moment I hit the jackpot. We're back in business. He didn't want that life. He wanted Jesus. And he jumped off the boat and he swam to shore. He left the old boat behind. He left the old fish behind. He left the old friends behind. Can I say this? He left the old failures behind as well. And he swims to the shore and Jesus is there. And what is Jesus doing? But he's cooking fish because he never ever needed your gift. He's got more than enough. He just wants you. And Jesus is there to restore him. And he feeds him. And and how does he restore him? But through a process of love. He says, Peter, do you love me? Love. Love is the motivator. If you try and have spiritual disciplines without love, you'll just be a Pharisee. Love is the motivator. It's a motivator for Jesus to us, but it's got to be our motivator from us to Jesus. If you're trying to do this because you're scared of hell, that's not how you get to Jesus. If you're trying to do this because you feel like, oh, this is what I did all growing up and this is what my mom told me to do, that, that, that's not the way to Jesus. The way to Jesus is having a revelation, having love begin to say, I want to know him for myself. He says, Simon Peter, do you love me? He says, of course I do. And he says, well, feed my sheep. Simon Peter, do you love me? Of course I do, tend my lambs. Simon Peter, do you love me? And at this point, he's kind of hurt. He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. Three times he denied, three times Jesus restored. Because I want you to know, Jesus, he restores you fully and completely. As if it never happened. You know, it's so interesting. Not only did he restore him, but he helps him take the next step. He says, I want you to feed my sheep. Interesting, when he first called him, he says, now come and fish. But now he's saying, now I want you to feed. Yeah. See, before he was saying, you just be a fisher, but now you're going to be a shepherd. What's he restoring Peter to? He's restoring Peter to his calling that you're going to be a leader now. You're going to take care of people. You know why? Because there's going to be some people that fail. And in that moment, you need to show up. And you need to restore them, Peter. I'm use even this so that you'll be able to feed people. Spiritually hungry people, you'll have some prayer for them. You'll have some answers for them. He helps Peter take his next step because that's what following Jesus is all about. And I, I don't know where you're coming from and I don't know how long you've been saved. Maybe one hour, maybe a hundred years. But can I tell you, you have a next step to take with Jesus. Maybe for you, it's joining Movement Course, which, which starts next week, and, and you're coming into the community of Jesus, and you say, I want to be a part of this community, not just an attender. I want to make this thing happen. Maybe for you, it's leading a crew, which, by the way, that's what follow me is a call to. Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Join my crew. Jesus was the ultimate crew leader, and you can follow in his footsteps. You know, I, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's simply trusting God again. Maybe it's praying even when you felt like that prayer wasn't answered. And I, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm choosing to trust despite my circumstances. 
Maybe you have to let go. Maybe you have to forgive. I don't know what it is, but can I tell you? The Holy Spirit knows, and he'll speak it to you. Now's the time to take that next step. You got a calling. You got leadership. You've got more than just show up once a week and let whatever happen happen. You got more. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're an apprentice, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then Peter does what we always do, you know. He says, well, what about him, Lord? Are you kidding me? You just denied Jesus. He just publicly restored you. And the first thing you say is, what about that guy? But come on, that's what we'd all do. Always concerned about others. What about him? He turns and looks. What what about John? And Jesus says, what is he to you? You follow me. You can never follow Jesus when you're looking backwards. You can't follow Jesus when you're looking at other people. You can't follow Jesus when you're looking at culture. You can't follow Jesus when you're looking at your family. You can't follow Jesus when you're consumed and obsessed with your past. You can't follow Jesus when you're looking this way. The only way you can follow Jesus is by fixing your eyes on Jesus, saying, you're my guidance, you're my leader, you and you alone. So God's call to Peter is God's call to you today. Wake up. He's calling you. Follow him away from the familiar and into radical faith. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.